Edinburgh's laws on letting out your own bedroom are still unlawful, really unlawful, and they have been struck down. Welcome to Constable Confidential. I'm Simon Constable, and joining us is Fiona Campbell. She is the CEO of the Association of Scotland's Self-Caterers. This must feel great for you, a great victory. Congratulations. What changed? Thank you so much. Well, I suppose the the how to start this conversation is, and, and to misquote Oscar Wilde, as some very sensible journalist did um, over the last couple of days, to lose one judicial review on the legality of its policy may be regarded as misfortunate, but to lose two looks like carelessness. I mean, so it's, what been great- it's been struck down twice. The, this law that basically said you had to get approval to, to let your own one of your own bedrooms out to someone you don't know. Two laws. One is to do with licensing and the other to, is to do with planning. Both of them created by the City of Edinburgh Council based on Scottish government legislation were found to be unlawful by Lord Braid, who is the self-catering sector's hero right now. It is not okay to develop legislation and policies that are unlawful. And actually on the back of Lord Braid's decision back in June, we then as an association wrote to four other local authorities and said on the basis of Lord Braid's opinion, your policy is also unlawful. Every single one of them concurred and had to change their policy at the last minute. That's not okay. The Scottish government should not be generating legislation that enables local authorities and licensing authorities to develop policies that are unlawful. It just shows what an absolute shambles this is. And it has been a shambles for a while. And the the outcome of it in terms of the economics, has already become very apparent in, in Edinburgh with rentals for a, a hot, you know for a night in a hotel or an apartment have gone up massively, and we're talking multiple fold, not a few percentage points, which is what we think about inflation being bad. We're talking about many multiples of what it, it would have been otherwise, like last year or the or the year before. Has the government, in light of this second ruling? thought about paying compensation to people who lost money, who had developed a self-catering unit or a flat they wanted to let, that's an apartment they wanted to let out and then couldn't make any money? Are they going to be stumping up some money and saying, we're really sorry, what we did was illegal, here's some money to compensate you for what you lost? So interestingly, because the Scottish government gave this, delegated this to licensing authorities and local authorities, they've washed their hands of it. So they won't need to compensate anybody. But if you're an operator in Edinburgh just now, you will be fully thinking about what this looks like in terms of potentially asking for compensation. I suspect that the planning authority at the City of Edinburgh Council is currently extremely nervous about the prospect of people asking for compensation. Now, interestingly, Lord Braid uh, did identify that local authorities have always had the ability to get rid of the use type of a property. If they don't like people doing secondary letting in their properties, they could have stopped the activity. But to do so, they would have had to generate a new piece of legislation, another piece of legislation, which is a section 71. And the direct result of doing that would be that it would have meant that the local authority would have had to give compensation for stopping people doing that same activity. They didn't do that. 
But what they have done is unfortunately put themselves in a position where all of those people that have applied spent £700,000 on applications. Not, not for... individually, we should say. No, no. no, no. Because no, if, no. Even, even by the, the planning permission demands, that, that's a quite a high number. So it's that's not a per-person figure. That's a collective figure. That's an awful yeah. lot of money. And then presumably when, when or if they lose the case, they have to pay the court costs as well. And we're talking oh, about the planning. Sure. Oh, yeah. for sure. And also, don't forget all the people that have applied in good faith, because, for example, Edinburgh Council asked them to apply before they could apply for their licence. All of those people that have applied and 98.5 of those applications have been... 98.5% of those applications yes, have, have been given the thumbs down. Been given a thumbs down. So what about those people that's their livelihoods and they have lost their livelihoods and their income? So what would you do? You would look into how you could be compensated for that loss, would you not? Oh, of, of, of course, of course, I would, and many people. And I do happen to to know from from an anecdotal piece of uh, ev- evidence that the planning planning committees in Edinburgh are very nervous. They sent out a note to someone I know quite quite well, just saying we, we want to get your feedback on how we run our operation. Well, Ooh, that's well, that's that's, that's a that's a bit uh, of an interesting thing. When it only happens after the fact of this being struck down, it is too much of a coincidence. I do not believe in coincidences. I'd be very happy if anyone wants to deny that and come talk to me, but that's their issue. Now, I want to get on to something else, which was very interesting, is when we had our last conversation, which wasn't that long ago, and we're talking about the the disaster that these laws would be, someone wrote a story in Bella Caledonia, which is an online uh, publication, talking about your discussion with me and basically being very snarky to us both. And and the, the whole essence of it is what are cities for? And the bias was cities are for the people who live there. And in, indeed they are. But they're also there for the businesses that are there too and the livelihoods of people. What did you make of that story? Because it did pinpoint us by name each. Well, I thought it was extremely complimentary that they went into so much detail. They more or less um, quoted the entire podcast, did they not, which was extraordinary. No, you're absolutely right. Now, what is amazing is that they said that about cities being there for residents, Cities don't work without the businesses that underpin that community and the economic uh, benefit to the city. But also the other thing to remember is that all of this conversation about secondary letting and short-term letting revolves around residential versus tourism. But what is completely missed is the fact that cities and rural areas need properties that can provide short-term accommodation for all sorts of different types of things. The SEC has done uh, has got evidence to show that up to 40% of people that come and stay in short-term lets are doing so nothing to do with their holiday, nothing to do with tourism. It might be business travel. It might be corporate people coming to relocate while they're moving up to Edinburgh for six months. It might be somebody looking after a family member in hospital. It could be parents relocating their kids to go to university in Edinburgh. Those people are not going to go and stay in a hotel for three weeks, three months or six months. So short term lets are a vital part 
of the accommodation ecosystem across the whole of Scotland, whether it's in Edinburgh or a rural village. And that's the bit that people seem to fail to understand. And they also seem to fail to understand that integrating all parts of the economy closely together is something that people look back on in a very a very sort of sentimental way in many ways, but actually a very good way. So the idea of being able to walk to work from where you live doesn't seem that such a terrible thing for many people, especially in in Edinburgh when the, the roads have got a one-way system that seems to have been developed by the devil himself. And mm-hmm. you've also you've also got people who want the exercise walking to to work and they don't necessarily want have to to have to commute when they're living in a city and commuting can take a long time if you want to drive or if the buses are on strike or if the buses are delayed for whatever reason being able to walk there and having everyone in close proximity isn't such a terrible thing and having all those holiday lights intertwined with the city gets people to see who in, in many ways, the cust- the tourist customers are. Indeed, indeed. And also the other thing that is never um, acknowledged in any of these conversations that you see online and in papers and with a political narrative and a lot of media narrative is the data. So if you look at the city of Edinburgh, again, we'll use that as an example, it's got more than a um, quarter of a million dwellings. Now, That includes just 1,148 self-catering units on non-domestic rates. Non-domestic rates, the names in the title, they are not residential dwellings, they're businesses. That is 5% of the dwellings, sorry, 0.5% of the dwellings. That's half half, half a percent. So it's it's a negligible number, negligible, right? Half a percent, half a percent. There were only 1,382 secondary license applications again that's half a percent now we put that in the context there's 9285 empty homes that's 3.6 percent of dwellings are empty let's focus our attention and our lobbying and our constructive discussion around redeploying those empty homes not depriving people of their livelihoods would that not be a really sensible thing and i think this this second judicial review defeat has really brought that into very sharp focus. Now, as an industry and as grassroots operators, we are here to have those conversations with both national and local government. We want to help. If we're part of a housing conversation, let's look at the wider context and look at this in a holistic way. Again, the City of Edinburgh Council is doing a brilliant job at the moment of passing lots of planning applications for student accommodation and apart hotels. And every single application for a large uh, residential development is knocked back and changed. Stop scapegoating the self-catering sector, which benefits the city centre by £90 million a year, and let's look at what the real problems are. That would be my suggestion. And we need sensible conversations. Do you think that the... Edinburgh City Council and the Scottish Government and other city councils truly understand the economics of housing and how the real answer to a housing shortage, which evidently there is in in parts of Scotland, is 
is basically the solution to it is to build more units and keep building more units until rents stop going up or prices stop going up in at such a hefty rate. And they do tend to move up very heftily in Edinburgh because of the limited housing stock. Absolutely. And again, they people do policymakers are not looking at the demographic changes across Scotland. The number of households is increasing. The number of people that live alone is increasing. Therefore, we do not have the number of dwellings that we need. But we cannot scapegoat one sector because actually that is not going to be the silver bullet to ameliorate this housing crisis. As you said, we need to build ourselves out of this crisis. We need to understand what the demand is. And we're not just talking about affordable housing. We're talking about mid-market. We're talking about all sorts of different types of housing. We need to have a properly grown-up conversation about what this country needs. Is, are, are, these, are these councils capable of doing that? I mean, obviously, they haven't, they haven't listened in the run-up to this, and they've been slapped down twice very hard by courts in the last few months. Are they capable of listening? They haven't shown that in the past. Was that arrogance? I don't know. What are your thoughts? And then we'll uh, we'll leave it there. I, I, I hope that they are, but I really would actually quite like an apology for the constant narrative that there are 12,000 short-term lets in Edinburgh when there are quite clearly 1,382 applications for secondary lets. So what's happened here? We need to find the data. We need to understand what the mischief is that we are trying to fix and find an actual solution rather than just scapegoating, finger pointing and talking so miserably about a sector that actually benefits our communities. Well, there you have it, Fiona Campbell, CEO of Scotland Self Caterers. Uh, living on the side of Loch Lomond, a beautiful place, asking for an apology from local councils, local governments, maybe the national government too. I don't know, but none would go amiss by anyone and it would show some good grace. This is Constable Confidential. I'm Simon Constable and that's it.